Thanks for joining us for today's message. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working through this ministry to change lives. If you have a story to share about how God has worked in your life, then let us know by sending us an email to mystory@timberlakechurch.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so by giving online at timberlakechurch.com give. Enjoy the message. Well, uh, it's great to be back. I want to welcome those watching in uh, Issaquah, Duval, and Woodenville, Bothell as well. As we are in this series, uh, Life First, I've been the last uh, couple weeks in Central Europe. I left right after Easter Sunday and spent most of my time in Poland, had the opportunity to uh, teach in a couple different churches, uh, do a pastor's conference and a church planner's uh, training there as well. Uh, it is way different uh, preaching with a translator. I just got to tell you that. Uh, I don't, you know, I, I'd be saying something and I, I sort of felt like people were into it because I'd say something, the translator would say something, and then people would bust out laughing. The problem is, is that was the serious part of the sermon. So uh, I don't know what he was saying, but he was killing it. Uh, and I just... Uh, Thank the Lord for Google Translator. That is uh, awesome. Uh, I, I don't know if I caused any problems. One person used the term international incident, but, uh, but I, I think it was a, a, a great time. It was good to see what God uh, is doing there and good for us really to be a part of it as we have been involved uh, locally in so many ways and globally, really looking uh, for opportunities to be involved in Europe. Talk to Pastor David uh, about us next year, uh, sending a team over there as they uh, plant more churches and they use what they call English camp for kids. Uh, vacation Bible school is really what it is. Uh, and so they love it when uh, Americans come over there, and it's a great opportunity as uh, there's new faith communities started. So it, it was uh, a real good time, but I've got to tell you, I'm uh, glad to be back. Uh, the, the other pastors, though, uh, did a great job, didn't they? Yeah, you can... Uh... Well, uh, one of the things that I want to do today is look at one of my life verses, and I have a number of them, uh, but really this, these are the words of Jesus, and it's really meaningful to me uh, as a pastor. When, when Jesus said, I will build my church, and as I've been traveling in Central Europe, I really saw what God is doing there, renewing in an area which in many ways had been sort of spiritually dead, and just reading around the world uh, what God is doing globally. Uh, I, I was reading that about 100 years ago, about only 10% of Africa was uh, Christ followers, and now there's over a half billion uh, Christ followers there. There will be probably more people uh, worshiping Jesus in uh, China than even in the United States of America uh, this weekend. And so it's amazing what God is doing globally, but I want to look at how we apply this uh, biblically and locally as well. 
Oftentimes as we uh, talk about, the, about church, about what we're doing together, we have all sorts of different concepts uh, around that. Uh, a lot of times people, just in society, they get a caricature like, hey, this is going to be awful and boring. It reminds me of one of my favorite uh, Instagram accounts. It's called Miserable Men in which uh, people upload men who are forced to go shopping. I thought I'd share that with you uh, a little bit. I like this one uh, here, uh, this guy. <laughs> Doesn't he, he? He looks like he's being punished, like uh, he did something wrong. Uh, and, and this guy here isn't even trying to hide his enthusiasm, is it? His head cocked back, mouth open. Uh, he gave up hours ago. And this third guy is my hero. <laughs> you know, he just stopped caring at some point. Well, I'm having a little bit of fun, and hopefully uh, we get a better image of what it means, what we're doing together, not only as we're worshiping, uh, but really what it means uh, to be people who would be followers of Jesus Christ as he made that promise, I will build my church. What I want to do is I want to look at the larger context of uh, the passage which that comes from. And it was a time when uh, people were really confused about who Jesus is. And I thought, uh, how appropriate, because we find that even so much today. And people are, are wondering, uh, is Jesus just a prophet? Is he really the Son of God? And so we come to the passage in Matthew 16, verse 13, and we read this. If you'll take your outlines out of your program, if you haven't done so uh, already. And it says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, are one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. And so I, what I want to do is I want to deconstruct uh, that passage a bit and break it down. And what do we learn uh, about church in general from that? Uh, the first thing uh, that we learn from that passage is Jesus is the ultimate leader of the church. Uh, it's sort of interesting when people say, well, I go to this pastor's church or that pastor's church. And I know what that means, and that's great, and that's a, a sense of honor but Jesus is really our ultimate leader that we gather in his name uh, to worship him, where it says, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. We also learned this about church, is uh, that, that it's important. In fact, uh, we, we get this view in our society sometimes, well, hey, you know, I can be a Christ follower without going to church. And I think uh, that is true, by the way, that you can be a Christ follower. I just don't think you're going to really mature in your faith. I've, and I'm not saying that to be mean. I've talked to hundreds, thousands of people. I've really never seen someone who's really mature in their faith where they're not regularly uh, part of a Christian uh, community. 
And especially in Western society and culture, and in our country in particular, we sort of get this deal. I was talking to one guy, actually. Uh, he has a, a Christian radio show, and, and he was saying, well, you know, some people who listen to my show, this is the only church that they have because, you know, there's really not many church, good churches out there, and so they, they listen to my messages, and that's sort of a better alternative. And I thought, man, that is sort of arrogant. The only problem is I think I said it out loud. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm not kidding. And uh, so we're not BFFs. And there are, there are plenty uh, of good. I'm not saying every church is good. Some are, some are actually sort of bad. They're like toxic and you should avoid them. Uh, but there are plenty of places where you can worship God, where you can serve and uh, where you can uh, encourage someone else and hopefully grow in your faith in the process. And that's really what uh, we're called to do. In Ephesians 5.25, the importance of, of the community of believers called in Jesus' name is really, we, we get a sense of that, where it says, husbands love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. And what the Apostle Paul is referring to is that Jesus laid down his life. He thought it was so uh, important. We also learned this, uh, is that objective truth is essential. Objective truth. It says, on this rock I will build my church. Now, I know for uh, some of you, we have a lot of people who are raised in no religious background, different religious backgrounds, maybe a Catholic religious background. And when it says, on, on this rock... What it's referring to is uh, not Peter, although Peter was a great Christian leader. It's really the statement of faith that came before that, that you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And, and that it's on that truth that uh, we gather together. That's important. Uh, G.K. Chesterton uh, said, if, if it's when people give up believing in God, it's not that they'll... Uh, stop believing in anything is that they'll believe really everything. I mean, think about it. I mean, someone could uh, fool you. They could convince you that, like, you know, that, that 7-Eleven slushy is all of a sudden some expensive drink that you should buy at a Starbucks and call it unicorn or no, something like that. <laughs> yeah, I know that happened while I was gone. Uh, I got to tell you, I'm okay that I missed it. Uh, I just want to know, a little confession here, uh, you, everyone watching on the campuses, how many of you had a unicorn frappuccino? Come on, go ahead. Con confession is good for the soul, but bad for the reputation. <laughs> okay, well, uh, I'm just having a little bit of fun here, but you think about it, is that uh, we need objective uh, truth. And we can know what it's about. I was sitting uh, next to a guy on an airplane. And this, you know, as a pastor, I got to tell you, I, I love talking about Jesus. I just hate it when people ask me what I do for a living. Because either they come up with the most religious thing they can think of, you know. Oh, I saw Deepak Chopra on Oprah or something like that. Or, <laughs> or they tell me, you know, uh, something else. And, and this guy was actually from another country, from a European country where pastors actually get paid by the government 
and uh, he was uh, saying, but it's sort of funny, no one goes to church. Uh, just an aside here, the whole idea of uh, a, a church and state coming together is the worst thing that could ever happen to Christianity. Uh, it really is. Uh, in fact, you find Christianity thriving in those places uh, where there's the free marketplace uh, of ideas. In fact, it's interesting uh, Christianity is growing without coercion. There's sometimes other faiths where it's more co there's more coercion. Uh, just when people get to say, hey, is this thing true? And so we were talking, and, and he asked me, what do you do? And uh, I said, I'm a pastor. And he goes, well, my dad was a pastor, worked for the government, and he gets a really good pension from the government. I said, the government isn't giving me nothing. <laughs> but the, uh, I don't even know if I'll get Social Security one. But, you know, the, the whole thing is, is he, he was saying about that, he said, but I, I'm, I, I'm a person of science, so I don't have faith. And I said, well, hey, you cannot have faith, but being a person of science doesn't preclude you from having faith. I mean, uh, and, and he was, I said, what kind of science? And he says, I write code. And I'm like, well, okay, that's science, but you know, you're not like a, a biologist there. And I said, but you, know, you look at people like uh, Galileo, Francis Bacon, uh, Francis Collins, uh, head of the National Institutes of Health and the Human Genome Project. And uh, these are people I, who are sort of, I think, know a little bit about science. And uh, they have great faith. In fact, uh, I quoted... This time I'll quote it correctly. Uh, Francis Collins said, The God of the Bible is the God of the genome. God can be found in the cathedral and in the laboratory. And uh, so I, I think that we can really know objective truth. Total other aside just sort of, sort of has to do with the sermon. There was a study done at Rice University uh, really on scientists and faith by Elaine Eklund. And in U.S. culture, there's a lower percentage. There's about 22% of the population that would say, hey, I'm really uh, active evangelical Christian. And in scientists, it's about 17%. It's a little bit lower. Uh, but, but there is this sense where people who know science uh, can have great faith. Although in Western Europe and in the U.S., uh, there can be some sense of uh, a little bit of discouragement and uh, people making fun of them and all that. In fact, it was interesting as I was reading the study in Singapore and Taiwan that uh, scientists who are uh, faithful biblical Christians, actually their percentage is higher than the general population in those two countries. Uh, so you can, you can be a person of faith and uh, just understand the complexities of science and all of that as well. Here's, here's a problem is, I think, for, for Christians. Uh, and not, if you say, hey, I'm just checking out Christian faith, and, and that's great. This is, this is a place to do that. This is a, a safe place to uh, really have your questions answered or just sort of wrestle with them. Uh, but I think for, for some Christians, what I've seen that disturbs me is really this sense of almost anti-intellectualism. And, and I'm not saying from, I'm talking about people who go through struggles with maybe it's politics or some societal issue, 
And that also, that makes theological decisions without looking at the philosophical theological decision. I don't know if you get what I'm saying. If I could be jet-lagged still. In fact, <laughs> if the sermon's not great today, just it's jet lag, okay? The, uh, but, but what I'm saying is, uh, actually, I think people will say it's an intellectual objection. And honestly, I just think it's not intellectual enough. It's not philosophical enough. The problem isn't any intellectual objection. Is that it's almost like we check our brains at the door instead of saying, hey, I'm going to look at this from my experience with God and historically and archaeologically and philosophically and in every other way. And then if God, is there something in the Scripture that contradicts the way I think or I believe or I live, then, then I'm going to not just reject it because I believe there are things that can be true that I don't like. You, we know that, right? You know, fudge brownies have a lot of calories. I don't like that, but it's true. Uh, and, but a lot of times, and I've seen this even with people who would call themselves Christ followers, is all, if, some, if I don't like something, then somehow it's no longer true. Uh, but, but there's objective truth, and we need that. And when we gather together, the Bible says it's iron, iron sharpens iron. So we sharpen one another. See, the reality is, is it takes a team. Uh, we find that in this scripture as well. In fact, uh, the verse right after the passage I read, it says, I give to you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And what Jesus is saying, it's not some uh, super secret power He's talking to them about that, that confession of faith, that understanding that through Jesus there's freedom and forgiveness and hope. That's really how we approach God. And it's not through a religious system or through works. It's through grace. And, and when we understand that and we communicate that, that we can come into God's presence, and that can change everything about us from, from the inside. One of the great assignments that we have is to come to God and to worship Him, but then to also understand the implications for what does that mean for me to walk through life together with other Christian believers. Uh, now, maybe you're like me. I, I wasn't uh, raised in church at all, and so uh, I didn't have much of a context for this thing. In fact, I thought, I did honestly think some of the things were sort of weird when I first came in uh, uh, to church, and I, I went to church where people, everyone, hey, brother, hey, sister, and I'm like, hey, we're not related. <laughs> but then again, my mom was married eight times. Maybe we could be, you know, I don't know. So, uh, so it just, just the language, I know that's sort of hard. And that's, but my psychologist says I'm getting better with, no, the, uh, the, the, the truth is, is that, that God does something inside of us deeply. When we submit to him, when we say, you are God, and I understand that, honestly, it's, a, as I said, a step, not a leap of faith to believe that and to worship him. And that because I worship you, 
that, yeah, there's these other people I come into relationship with, and God says, when we gather in his name, powerful things happen. And we have seen in our church, in, in our you know, little, well, maybe not so little church anymore, we've seen God do powerful things again and again and again. Because uh, we prayed, you showed up, and you worshiped, and you've been part of this crazy community. Uh, one, of the, one of the things I've really never desired to do much more than uh, to pastor uh, a local church. Uh, you know, I've been here for about nine years within San Diego uh, before that, and, and it's been great. And, and the opportunities, though, have become fairly large for us even as a church. Uh, in the Seattle area, you know, there are a lot of crazy things have gone out around in uh, church, and so I work with a group of guys that are, you know, younger pastors, and, and we're praying for them and their ministry as well. In fact, one, one guy, he, he pastors the church, it's actually fairly good size, about 15, 1,800 people, and he was saying the influence uh, that this team has had. He says, yeah, I'm on your website, and I listen to all your sermons and all of that. And I'm like, isn't there anyone else you follow? He goes, no. I said, so this is it. I'm like, it's that bad, <laughs> you know? And, but he, he's, he's, he's learning from us, and we learn from each other, and God is doing a really significant thing. And uh, I just want you to know that. And it's not just that we're growing numerically and in, in so many other ways, uh, but I believe that God has called us to be a better community together but also to, uh, to really help and bless others uh, in other churches as well. Well, what is the invitation that we find in the Scripture? We've, we find this invitation uh, that's implicit in Jesus' words, I will build my church. The first invitation then and now is th to make a decision to belong. Christianity is a team sport. It really is. Uh, as I said, you know, it's not that we just go solo and we follow Christ. Like I said, I've never really seen anyone do that effectively for a long period of time. Uh, I mean, God develops our character uh, through other people. Uh, I mean, for, for example, how would you develop patience? Uh, without annoying people around, right? You think about that? You're like, oh, there's no, no annoying people around. You're the person. You know, just want to let you know that. And so God does that when we come into community together. The, I, I love the fact that we get to make individual decisions. But as Jesus laid down his life for the church, and we follow Jesus there really is a sense where there's not an individualism anymore. It's not this great, you know, communist kind of thing, but it is it's this caring for one another, encouraging one another, loving one another, just as the Scripture says. Hebrews 10, 24 through 25, it says this, And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of, 
of doing, especially at 10 a.m. games in Seattle. No, just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> and, but encouraging one another as all the more you see the day approaching. And so really uh, what he's saying there is, is we make the decision to, to belong. The first decision is just simply what you're doing. I mean, you show up. You say, I'm going to show up, I'm going to belong, I'm going to worship together. Uh, I, I could do, I have done a whole message on worship, and people, it, it is, people will say, well, worship is something I do individually and all of that, and you certainly can. Just know biblically, uh, almost every time it talks to worship, it's never talking about an individual, it's talking about a gathered group of people who come together and say, God, we recognize who you are, and what you've done, and we follow you. But then there's that second part of that, and that's the uh, decision not to just to show up for us, but to show up for others as well. I went to a church in college. Well, it was actually right after college. Great church. The worship style uh, was not, I wasn't raised in church, so traditional worship isn't uh, just for me, there's no cultural meaning at all, so uh, I didn't really get up, you know, the sit down, stand up, rah, rah, rah thing was not that big thing for me. But I realized maybe it wasn't about me. And I, as I was 22 or 23 years old, I was living in uh, Seattle, I was living in Fremont, which is a whole other story. <laughs> so I, I thought, well, maybe... My assignment, God, is to find someone else uh, who's just, who just needs encouragement. And so I made it my assignment every time I would go to church uh, to do that. Now, you do, we do a pretty good job of this as a church, but what if you, not someone else, you said, hey, I'm going to take this as my personal ministry. Not the, you, know, you can be an official greeter if you want to do that. We'll put a name tag on you and we'll throw you out by the door. <laughs> but what if you just said, hey, I'm not going to wait for someone to do that for me. I'm going to be that person. Uh, we get comment cards all the time back about, you know, hey, we like the church, how friendly it is, how, you know, smart the pastor. No, just, we don't ever get that. <laughs> Quirky, I have heard that before. <laughs> but we, but, but what about you? What if that was your assignment? Uh, on the weekends, in serving teams and groups, and, you know, wherever you find yourself, uh, within the Christian community. As, you, as I've said before, every believer should have a ministry inside the church and outside the church. Today I'm talking about inside the church a little bit. And then the second really decision point then and now is to invest your life in what matters most. Uh, and when I say that, I know some of you are Oh, is this going to be a stewardship message? Are you going to talk about money? Yes. No, I'm not, I'm not talking about that today. Uh, we, we fear when we say invest our life, uh, like someone's going to manipulate us. Uh, well, because if you have, any of you have children? Yeah, you've been manipulated before, haven't you? Uh, so it's, but I don't want to do, it's not going to be like some timeshare presentation sort of thing. Uh, 
Last time I said that, someone said, oh, hey, you know, I used to sell timeshares. I'm like, how did you repent to Jesus? The, uh, <laughs> but the, <laughs> I'm sorry, you know, I always say timeshares are people, salesmen are people who got fired from used car dealerships for being too aggressive. <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> but but I, I, it's not, not this, uh, I'm just having a little bit of fun. Please don't send me any notes. <laughs> the, uh, I, I was going <laughs> to, yeah, anyway. Uh, the... Uh, <laughs> What I'm just talking about is taking seriously the command of Jesus. Jesus, his last words to his disciples and really to us is this. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit and teaching them everything I have commanded you. Jesus is saying, would you invest your life in that which will last for eternity? I had a, one of the conversations I had uh, Easter weekend. Uh, by the way, there were like, what, 7,590-some people or something here at Easter. A lot. Uh, one of the guys had, had never been to church and uh, actually came from another culture, I think maybe another religious background, came because we were doing the Easter egg hunt during church services. And so uh, his daughter was doing that, and he decided to wander into the church service. And afterwards, he was hanging out and was like, hey, this is way different than I'd heard Christianity was. And uh, he said, I'd like to go to that Bible class this Wednesday. And I thought, that's why we do what we do. For people who would say, you know, God hasn't been on my radar, but it's starting to make sense. I don't feel dumb or like anyone's embarrassed me, but I think there's a challenge there. And I don't know about you, I want to invest my life in that. And God is doing something incredibly unique here through your ministry. And he is building his church, not just with more people, but I think in a deeper way as well. It's also to take your next right step. Uh, that's part of what the challenge is then and now. It says in 2 Peter 3.18, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. I love that where it says both grace and knowledge. The idea is, yeah, I learn more about God, but, but do I have God's grace? Do I have that compassion? I, I really want us to more and more unleash that kind of compassion in our community, but not just with a, a sense of, oh, we're good people doing good things, but we're responding to God's work in our life. So for you, what, what would be your next right step as you head into spring? What would be that? What, what's a step that you haven't taken? Uh, maybe it's uh, making a commitment to come, to come check out uh, what it means to follow Jesus. There's still time in our growth groups. Those started last week. Maybe you said yes to Jesus and you haven't been uh, baptized. Uh, I, one of the reasons I always uh, w encourage you to be baptized is for a couple reasons. One, it's biblical. Jesus commanded it, so it's a pretty important thing. But it's also, for me, I think it's a litmus test of our faith. Because it's one of those, we're not asking you to serve anywhere or give anything or do anything. It's just really where you say, I identify 
with the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And because Jesus has given his life for me, I will, with this symbolic act, I will say yes to Jesus. And so that's on May 21st. I encourage you, if you've not been baptized, uh, to do that. Now, at our church, here's the cool thing. Uh, you don't have to get up and say anything. I know maybe you've seen it where at some church where someone gets up and says, well, let, let me tell you all the sins I've confessed. Now, that's sort of fun to listen to, I got to tell you, uh, but it's not really helpful for the person. Uh, it's, just, it's just an opportunity. We even get a free t-shirt. Isn't that cool? We give out free t-shirts. Actually, actually, not free. You paid for it with the offering, but uh, we get a, a, you get a free t-shirt. And so, I uh, encourage you to take that step. Maybe for you, it, it's serving on a team. It's uh, becoming a financial partner uh, in the ministry. It's uh, praying for what God is doing here. Maybe it's letting go of the past that's holding you back. Maybe it's forgiving that person who hurt you. Maybe for you, and this is the, the final decision then and now, is really to settle your yesterdays. I think this is where most people get the wrong idea about God and church. Uh, you, you hear this sort of in society. Well, I, I wouldn't want to go, you know, learn about God or go to church because I, of all the guilt. Here's a reality. We all have a sense, unless you're a sociopath, which is, then you need to go see someone. Uh, every person has guilt and regret. In fact, no emotionally healthy person doesn't have some sense of guilt and regret. The question is, what are you going to do with that? Are you going to try to do enough good and that outweighs the bad and on some karmic scale something works its way out? It's a nice idea, I just don't get it. Or are you going to say, God, I want to come to you. It says in 2 Corinthians 7.10, Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. And uh, I don't know where this message finds you uh, in your walk with God, in your dealing with your yesterdays. But know that just as we've celebrated on Easter weekend a couple weekends ago, and we celebrate really every weekend, is that God is still in that business of doing miracles where we can't even, we, we couldn't see it, but God could see it for us. And, and we see, we get to be ringside to those miracles week after week. Thank you for listening to the Timberlake Church Podcast. Stay connected with us by visiting TimberlakeChurch.com or follow us on Twitter or Facebook.